everyone, and welcome to Look See, the podcast for the art curious in Richmond and beyond. I'm Paige Goodpasture. Bruce Wilhelm wasn't born a painter, but almost. From the time he got his first set of paints as a teenager, painting has been at the center of his life. He is never too tired or too busy to paint. Painting is never boring. It's how he works out thoughts and feelings. As a very shy young man, it was a way for him to put himself out there without words, and it's still a very intuitive process for him. In a new body of work that's on view at ADA Gallery through January, Bruce has wholeheartedly embraced abstraction. In his previous work, he often used figures to anchor work that explored many of the same themes seen in these new paintings. Layering, construction, destruction, and reconstruction, color, and form. Now he set the figure aside in an exploration of pure abstraction in large-scale work that has an engaging presence and energy. I am here at ADA Gallery with Bruce Wilhelm. So, Bruce, we are here at the gallery where your work is up for a show that's on view through the end of January. I really want to start out by getting you to tell me a little bit about this body of work that's here at ADA. What's going on with you as a painter in making this particular body of work? A few years ago, I had an idea that I would uh, revisit a lot of older ideas and try to reinvent what I make, what I'm, what I'm interested in. By trying to narrow it down more, I made 200 paintings, all different. Mainly what I got out of it is that I just, I enjoy color and paint and shapes, you know, and uh, trying to get a painting that has a presence. You know, what's going on in some of these works is, one, I like the sizes of them, lots of different sizes, and I always say a lot of upright paintings, not vertical, they're upright, they're, they're standing. For the big ones, I think I like them because they have a good relationship to the body. The measurement of the width is how wide I can reach. So the paintings, so we're sitting here in the front gallery of ADA Gallery, and most of the paintings in this gallery, with a few exceptions, but most of them are large. They do have a presence, and I love the way that you say that they're upright, not just (laughs) vertical. It gives a sense of almost agency on the part of the paintings. When you were working this out for yourself, what about the size made you happy? with how this work is experienced. You can, they're just big enough to get lost in while you're working on them or you know, looking at the details of the painting if you're looking at the painting in the show. They're very immersive. As a viewer, you stand in front of them and you kind of quickly get lost in the experience of the painting, drawn into the experience of the painting. All of the works in this gallery, and I think in the whole show, are what I would call abstract. Mm. Would you describe them that way? Yes, definitely uh, abstract. There's no rule that says I can't put a dog head in there if I wanted to, or like a word or whatever, you know. And so have you always, has your work always been abstract or is this something relatively new for you? This is definitely newer. I think it's the work that I feel like the most like uh, I'm comfortable. Growing up in Virginia, there was a lot of things to lose along the way that I didn't need, you know? Just like things that you get attached to. Not only do I like making artwork, but you know, I also like a response to what I make. I think as I got older, I just 
I started just going, you know, I love my family and I love my friends, you know, but I don't care if they like my paintings anymore, you know, like that sort of thing. And you know what? People can love me, but they don't have to care at all about my paintings. Have you always been a painter? I don't think I was born one, but the vast majority of things I made have been painting, and I'm usually most interested in, in building on the skills that I've already had. Every day that I start another painting, it's always a challenge. Yes, for the most part. When I was a little kid, you know, maybe I drew more or something like that. You know. Well, so what do you think it is about painting in particular that has kind of kept your attention for all these years and has been the thing that you have gravitated toward in your practice as an artist to try to explore questions that you might have or explore color or themes or any of the things that you're kind of trying to work out as an artist? What is it about painting that is the thing that you always go back to? I love painting because it's, it's, so, it's so simple. It's basically just a few paints, brushes, water, a pair of scissors to cut your, your canvas in a, a space. It's part therapy too, I've like realized that. Uh, I'm a grumpy person if I haven't had my painting time. I don't know, maybe I don't even question it very much, I just, I just enjoy it. There's a ton of energy in a lot of these pieces that are in this particular show, and there's joy and excitement. There's an intuitive sense to almost feel like it's like, well, let me see what, what is going to happen if I try this. Right. An experimental quality. When I was a kid, I was like very, very shy. And like it took me years, you know, into my 20s to like speak a little bit. People just go, what's wrong with your son? You know, like, but like painting was like a in between or like a way that I could put myself out there. Painting always remains that. And so, how does that process work for you in your practice as a painter? So, do you have thoughts and questions that are concrete? Yeah, I guess it would be like phenomena or something like that. Some of them would definitely be like the way it kind of vibrates and the way your eye bounces around to different, different colors. So my thoughts would be part experiment or just an idea like, okay, can I enhance a particular feeling or the energy that it has? Can I find a way to enhance that? I try to keep it playful. I think if, if one of my own paintings makes me uncomfortable, that's a, that's a good thing. I don't know if that results in a sale or like somebody going, that was a great painting. I try to assume that while I know a lot, to find something interesting to me after doing it for 20 years, that I have to assume there's a lot of things I don't know and I just have to play a little bit, do some things that are counterintuitive, break up some of my habits and just see where it leads me. I'm very susceptible to going on a tangent. Maybe six months later, it comes back around and I go, there was the reason for this. The way we're sitting in the gallery, I'm looking at this one painting all the time that we're talking. And is that your favorite one? <laughs> the paintings in this show, there are a lot of different colors, different structures. They are very sort of evocative, but very different. This big, large painting I'm looking at right now that's your favorite one, and I want to know why, <laughs> is really bright and it's got a lot of patterning, but it's all very jagged, with the exception of some scaffolding patterning, whereas some of the other works are, you know, the, the geometry of the patterning is much more prominent. Mm. So I want to know why this painting is your, is your favorite. All right, let me just tell you three stories. 
I came up with a way, just trying to mix up the way that I thought about, like, or judge my own work, or just a way to think about my own work. And it's never been completely resolved, but I like it as a way of trying to think about a painting different. I had three categories, and sometimes it goes from three to ten, and I'll narrow them back down. One is a uh, upright stem. It's a large, singular upright stem. So for me, I think of that as has like potential power. Thinking about like, you know, something like Stonehenge. So for me, the men here was like uh, about that it could literally fall on you and kill you. Two is who was powerful enough to move this and put it there. Two was Scholar's Rock, which is, I believe it's Chinese, basically like this appreciation of these strange shaped rocks. It's just how you appreciate the rock. Does it have an interesting texture? Does it make you wonder about how it uh, was worn? And then the last one was moon rock or something like that, where it just looks like a rock and nobody cares. But you say, this is from the moon. And then it's very special and it's put under glass and it looks like just a normal rock, but it has, it has energy through its story. So tell me about this favorite painting okay. and, and how that relates. Is that, do you see it as one of those three types of rocks? Okay, so typically something will have qualities of all three. Maybe it has the scholar's rock in it, the texture, or where the tape bleeds. I don't, like, I don't know if it's an aesthetically pleasing painting. It's kind of obnoxious. It has a lot of colors. It has a lot of combinations that I thought. It's my favorite painting because when I made it, I go, horrible. This is the worst painting you know, I've ever made. I spent so much time on this. You know, I hit it, and then I came back into the room like a week later, and I go, Something about this painting is growing on me, and I think it's, it just makes me uncomfortable. The yellow has too much power, but it's the little pieces of it. Like, I couldn't try to make something as interesting as one of the shapes in there. So it's one of your large paintings. It definitely has an immersive presence to it. It's sort of four panels that are outlined in various colors of paint, that I assume you created those shapes, and they're they're geometric, pretty much. They're linear, rectangular. Um, the edges of them are, and I assume you created those with tape and and many many different mm. stages of of applying the color. And then, within all of those rectangular, linear shapes that you created with these four panels, and then the canvas, are all of these jagged almost like shards of color and really, really bright colors. So it's, <laughs> it's yellow, but like almost construction yellow. It's really bright purple, really bright lime green and, and coral. And there are a few more muted colors to sort of calm your eye a little bit, like a sort of a burgundy red almost, but it's, it makes a statement. It makes an impression. When you were talking about the story of the three rocks, when you described the Scholar's Rock, I immediately thought of that because I thought of the, the jaggedness of it and the seemingly random nature of the shapes within this structure. It makes this big impression, and then you start to look at it and wonder how come together. With that description, can you tell us a little bit about, in the context of this painting, but I, I assume that your process has some elements of this in general, what is your process for creating these big paintings <laughs> with a lot of color and, yeah. and a lot of, of shapes? Okay, so there's a few different processes, depending on how I feel or what, you know, like if I'm getting bored uh, or like I'm not making process or I'm going too far in one direction and I don't want to go there, whatever. 
things you know, like rules become strict or lo loose, uh, or that I give up on rules and I go to something else. You know, uh, for this one, it's a blind process for most of the painting. It's that I'm putting down layers of tape, I'm tearing them up, and I'm putting them down. And by the way, the structure of this painting that we're, we were just talking about, where it's the four panels, I go back and I think about that as like, maybe that was a mistake. That was to like help tame it. Maybe I shouldn't have tried to tame it. You know, it helps you see it from a distance. And I go, well, maybe that's not what it was about. I'll think about that for a long time. So usually I'll paint the entire painting. Sometimes I do lengths. I'll say 30 feet of torn up tape, evenly distributed, paint the whole thing red. Another layer of tape. This time I'll block paint from going under the tape. You know, and the next time I'll, I'll let paint go under. I'll mix more water in to force the paint underneath the tape. And then maybe after like 15 or 20 layers, I have a tape removing party with myself. It's like unwrapping a present. That's part of the excitement too. Maybe that like that's part of my strategy. Maybe that's why I still wake up and I'm excited to, to paint. It's because I come up with strategies to be excited about it. I unwrap my gift at the end of those 20 layers. It's always disappointing in some way, or it's offensive. You spend a lot of time creating this object that then in the end, you're not sure exactly what the result is going to be. Is a lot of the satisfaction for you of making art in the making or in the thing that results? It jumps around a lot. For me, making a painting has never worked. That's like my favorite thing to do, even if it's tedious. I really enjoy the time being by myself working on something and being able to focus on this, these tasks but the drive is always, I wanna know what's gonna happen. Even though the work might be tedious or whatever, I'm excited about what I might find. And I'm always very optimistic, and that's why it's always disappointing when I unwrap it. But months later, I might look back and I say, okay, that was a good one. Internalizing the paintings takes a few months for me. So you said that this was your favorite. So mm. why did it end up being your favorite? Uh, yeah, so I, I think it's because it's still, makes me un uncomfortable, but it just has like a lot of interesting qualities. I'm just not sure where, where I'm at with it. And so I, every time I, I come in here and I just want to be close to this painting for a little while, you know, and, and think about it. There's another group of, of paintings in the gallery where there is a very clear and stark geometric pattern in the painting that is in the form of stripes and sometimes those stripes form kind of a maze-like pattern and then there is a whole nother treatment of the canvas that is like a wash so this painting that I'm looking at right here looks a lot like a beautiful kind of aged concrete floor in an old warehouse and and some of the others have that sensibility too although with a lot more color can you tell me a little bit about what those are about for you so i guess there's like a, a million different ways to be inspired and then start something but i think uh, the, the the main one was just this weird idea i had i just pictured the shroud of turin i was thinking about it like Remember the moon rock, okay, this is just a cloth here. Actually, it is kind of interesting. It's also kind of like the scholar's rock or something like that. And then also the debate of, did they do this? And then I was debating on how they faked it. You know, like, did they actually put somebody down and then put the blood on the person's face and print it? I wasn't thinking about painting when I was thinking about that. I was just going off on a tangent. And maybe a day later, I just had this somewhat vague vision of this shroud of Turin in cyberspace, <laughs> like this kind of, like this geometric pattern and this thing with fuzzy edges. 
it was a vague but powerful something that I go, oh, I have to try to make something that captures this feeling that I'm having. And that was the start. And that's the, this one on the far wall that has this sort of purple figure-like pattern, but it also has a alien figure going on in it. I call them shrouds. And I was just thinking of like, oh, it's something you lay on top of something, because that's part of the process is that I make a structure and then I soak canvas in water and then I'll paint the structure and I'll lay wet canvas on top and just see what happens. The worst case, I just lose 10 bucks in a few hours of time. So it's just one great big experiment in your studio every day. Yeah, I really like inefficiency. This is sort of your interpretation of this experience of printmaking. What interests you as a painter, as an artist, about taking works that you're really not sure about and pieces that you love and think are just great exactly the way they are and, and hanging them all together in a gallery and, and sort of seeing what happens? So, I mean, I guess it goes back to that word intuition. I don't have to like something necessarily for me to acknowledge, okay, this has an energy to it. That would be the reason why I would include it. Okay, this might offend me in some way, but it has an energy and it's not just part of it. It's, you know, in some ways the point of what I'm doing to me. I'm trying to create something that has a presence. Maybe I am interested in having people tell me what it is or what their experience is. I just don't want to deny this object that, ha that seems to has, have a power to it. It's, it's chance to be out in the world. Well, Bruce, thank you so much for taking the time to meet me here at the gallery and talk to me about your work for the Look See podcast. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for this episode of the Look See podcast. You can find links to this and all our past shows and more on our website for the art curious, look-c.co. I'm Paige Goodpasture, and thanks for listening. 